If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what, he had, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is God's word. Good to be back. I have a good pastor friend who said, it's easy to get invited to preach somewhere. It's much harder to get invited back. So um, I'm pretty excited about getting invited back. Um, I understand you're doing a series a continuing series on dealing with conflict. I'm an expert, because um, I get in lots of conflicts. Um, but I get the specific purpose or the privilege of talking to you about a really tremendous gift that you've been given as you deal with conflict. You are not on your own. God has given you the Holy Spirit, of course, but he's also given you some amazing people to help you. They're called elders. <clears throat> In the passage we just read, they were talking about bring it to the church. When you bring it to the church, that's what you're doing. You're bringing it to the elders of the church. Elders are called by God to rule over the church. Let me say that again. Elders are called by God to rule over the church. 
Just the sound of that phrase can kind of terrify us, right? No one rules over me. I don't let anyone tell me what to do. I'm my own person. And the sad thing is if that's your attitude, you are missing out on a really, really sweet blessing. God's given you elders. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 7 reads as follows, to the elders among you, so elders here, listen, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Watching over them, not because you must, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, he will receive, you will receive the crown of glory and will never, that will never fade away. And then these words, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And then these words from 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 11, if any of you have a dispute with another, do you dare, do, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord will judge the world? The Lord's people will judge the world. And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers, but instead one brother takes another to court, and this is in front of unbelievers? The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat, and you do what's wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? I love the fact that the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. I, I've talked about this a lot in my life because it, it's so hugely important to understand the kingdom of God is to understand that it's upside down from what you see in the world around us. The powers and forces and the structures of this world do not work in the upside down kingdom. The world around us takes delight in power and control and winning an argument and being first. The kingdom of God delights in humility Kindness, submission, smallness. It's a problem for me. Um, but we're conditioned by the earthly kingdom, and so it's hard for us to imagine and trust the kingdom of heaven. 
it's hard to imagine anything good can come from it. We're afraid that if we don't exercise power, we'll be hurt or much worse. It's hard to imagine that God will protect us, that he cares about us, that he's fighting for us. And that's why conflict, I think, is so hard for us. We feel threatened. We want to protect ourselves. We're pretty sure God won't come through for us and that we'll be out on our own. Before I became a pastor, I was um, chief financial officer of this big auto parts company and I was one of the major shareholders in it. And one year in lieu of a raise, because uh, we had some cash flow difficulties, the president of the company offered to forgive a note that I owed for a stock purchase that I'd made. And he did this at the urging of the company's attorney and the company's CPA firm. So based on that, I went and I made the necessary bookkeeping adjustments and adjustments to the accounts. And then I went on about my business. One of the other shareholders got really upset when he found out about it, and he confronted the president who suddenly claimed he didn't remember agreeing to that decision. He knew it was talked about, but he, didn't, he said, I don't, I don't think I ever agreed to it. <laughs> but I had made the adjustment, so that made me guilty of fraud at best. And so there was this meeting amongst some of the other shareholders and they decided they were going to call the sheriff and have me arrested. Which is about as terrifying as it gets. I called the company CPA and the company's attorney just to see if they had heard what I had heard. The corporation paid a lot of money to these two individuals. They got a lot of money from the company and so it would be in their best interest <laughs> to take the company's side. They both sent letters stating that they would testify on my behalf in any potential court case because they had heard just what I had heard and they fought for me at great cost to themselves. That's amazing, right? It's amazing to have somebody fight for you. Ah, man, I'm, I'm for you. At a cost. Eventually, everything was dropped, the conflict was all resolved, we went on with our lives. That's just a little bit like having elders walk with you in your conflict. They are advocates. They are advocates for truth. They are careful listeners. They are wise. They pray, they discern. I asked for the names of the elders here at Mission and was given the following list. Ray, Mike, Andy, John, and Andrew. If you're here. These guys are the gift God has given you. And I know some of you are thinking, Rod, have you actually met these guys? <laughs> they are most certainly not the brightest bulbs on the Christmas tree. 
You want us to go to them with our troubles and our problems? Right. And you know what? I agree with you. I wouldn't do it either. Individually, they are all flawed. But collectively, they are amazing and still flawed. But they're also responsible before God for their actions. It's actually a terrifying thing to be an elder. God holds them to account for what they do and say. That means if they give bad counsel and you follow it, the responsibility is on them, not you. For you, for the congregation here, for all you people gathered, that should be an incredible freeing feeling. But for them, it's a burden to bear. Hebrews 13, 17 reads, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Have you noticed that I just put a burden, a huge burden on the elders? <laughs> right? It said that we're supposed to not put a burden on them. We're supposed to make their job easy. God requires that those of us who are under the elders of this church, that we have confidence in them and we submit to them. The words have confidence are also translated obey. It's kind of a different kind of obedience. It's a very trusting obedience. You're trusting that the spiritual leaders that God set over you have your best interests at heart. So we're to obey them and submit to them. And that where, that's, that's just where it gets so hanky. I, makes you squirm, doesn't it? I, I can see you squirming like, we have to submit to somebody? We have to obey? Some of you are probably tune, turning, uh, you know, kind of tuning me out and, and you're making a note to tell John and Andy that I probably shouldn't preach in the future. I get it. You're probably thinking, Rod, uh, you're kind of delusional. You really don't know how things go here or on earth. Um, <clears throat> There is no way in God's green earth that I'm going to give up my autonomy and put my fate in the hands of others, even if they're elders. I get it. I really do. But I promise, I promise you that you're missing out on one of God's greatest blessings by not doing just that. People ask me what, they, what I wish I had preached on more in my 25 years of preaching um, before I retired last year, and I always respond with the word submission. I think that as Christians, submission is one of the hardest things we do. I think it's so hard that we avoid it at all costs. 
But I want you to know it was also hard for Jesus. He's, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to be crucified. He's pleading with God. <clears throat> he pleads with the Father, would you let what's about to happen, would you just let it pass? Luke 22, 42, and 43 says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. And then these words, yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Do you hear that? Do you really hear that? Not your will, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will will be done. What an amazing statement that is. It's a statement of abject trust. It's a statement of trust in the goodness of God. It's a, it's a statement of complete and utter submission. Submission's hard. I think we often commute, uh, confuse submission, right? We say, um, we, we come to sort of a grudging agreement. That's not submission. We, we try to work it out till we get a compromise. That's not submission. Submission is when you vehemently disagree, completely disagree, and say, I will place myself under you and do what you ask, irrespective of whether I think it's a good idea or not. That's hard. A couple times I've had to, I've been called to submit in my life and I hated it. I hated it. For a season I wasn't getting my tax returns done and um, I was way behind and my co-pastor came to me and brought me before the elders and, we, and said, Rod can't preach anymore, and we're going to suspend him because he's not doing what he's called to do. And they said, okay. And they put me under discipline, and I had to submit to that. I hated it. I hated it. Especially when a friend of mine from New York came all the way to Tucson just to come and hear me preach and see the church that I had helped form. It was disgusting. <laughs> but it was the best thing in the world for me. It motivated me to do what God had called me to do. By the way, just so you know, often when you turn from sin, God doesn't drop the hammer like you think he's going to. Instead, I got thousands of dollars back and it was great. Because God's funny. And he's kind. So you're called to come to the elders not with a thing of, uh, I'm going to hear your advice and then I'm going to measure it and see if it's okay. You're actually called by God to come to your elders and submit to them, to obey them. So I want to give you a couple things to do when you're coming to the elders because God knows they need help. So, um, so when you're going to come to the elders, and you have a conflict between two people, because that's why you come, right? You're, there's a conflict. So you come and you say, hey, here's what I'm dealing with. When you do that, 
make the parameters of the dispute really clear. Don't come with a whole bunch of long stories and stuff and like I can't, like say here's, the, here's where a conflict is. If you don't know what that conflict is exactly, if you can't define it, ask for help to do that. When you come with somebody else and you're, that you're in conflict with, and this is another thing, paint the other person in the best possible light. Paint the other person in the best possible light. Isn't that disgusting? Don't you hate doing that? Like you don't want to say the good things about them. You want to tell the world just how horrible they are, right? This is what they did, here's why we're in conflict, blah, 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 you yell about. No, that's not what God invites you to. God invites you, God invites you to paint them the best that you can paint them. They're really an awesome people, we have this disagreement. <laughs> uh, I don't like doing that. I like setting up straw men, not steel men. Steel men, the other person. Don't bring a whole bunch of other past disputes into the argument. <laughs> yeah, my wife and I, surprisingly, um, occasionally have little spats. Um, we get into fights. And then we get into that whole thing of, well, back in 1977, you said, and then I go, yeah, but you forgave that, and, and, but yeah, in 1980, you said the same thing, and then in 2000, don't do that. This is the present dispute, whatever that is. Solve that, resolve that. The next thing to do is when you come before elders, listen. Listen to them. Really listen. Listen beneath the words. Watch their body language. Watch how they're reacting to you. Listen to them very carefully. Listening is hard. Disputes are often because we haven't listened. We haven't really listened to what's beneath. We only deal with the surface stuff, right? I, I do this all the time. Instead of dealing with the fear that my son had about leaving the house, I'm like mad at him because he won't go out in the car, right? So listen, listen beneath the words. Don't treat the counsel that they give you as just advice to accept or reject. Because that's not what it is. And that's what so many times I've done and I've seen people do and there are so many people who've done it to me, right? Pastor, what do you think I should do? I don't know, let's talk. Oh, okay, I think you should do this. I'm going to say 80% of the time when I say that, it's not advice. I'm not saying I think you should do this or not. Most of the time, I'm thinking you need to do this. Listen. 
Just do what I say. Goes back to the obedience thing, right? It goes back to the submission thing. Oh, I hate it. Leave your anger behind. When we're in conflict, we're mad, we're upset, we're irritated, we get frustrated. Understand at the root of it, all anger is not against people, other people. All our true anger is our rage against God, right? Eventually, if you go back and trace it all the way back down, God's not giving me what I want. God's not letting me have what I long for. God says, no, that's not good for you. It started in the garden. Like, the Garden of Eden is, is where that starts, right? God's holding out on me. He's not giving me what I want. I don't like it. I don't like it when somebody holds out on me. I don't like when I can't do what I want to do. I want to eat the fruit on that tree. I'll eat it if I want. Who's he? he what is he holding out on me? That was the original sin. That's the original place where it all went wrong. And there's a subtle anger in all of us when we can't have what we want. Particularly because we are sure we know what's best for us. You don't. You don't know what's best for you. Only God knows what's best for you. The great things in my life that have actually changed the course of my life have always been when God has said no. Or when he said, here's the hard path, walk that one. Matter of fact, here's a little, you know, fun for you. If there are two options and one of them's really difficult and the other's really easy, guess which one God's in? Right? <laughs> it's just true. It's, it's like, yeah, <sighs> okay. And when God asked me to do hard things and, and I, there's something in me, I, I, I get angry. So when you come and when you talk to your elders and when you submit to the church, leave your anger behind. Go and confess it and acknowledge it to God. Say, God, I'm really irritated with you. What I wanted was this from my friend. What I wanted was this from my spouse. What I wanted was this from my children. What I wanted was this from my boss. This is what I longed for. And we always add, and I deserve, right? Like, of course I do. And, and maybe you do. Maybe you do. <clears throat> God's not holding out on you. Ever. You think he is because he's asking you to do hard things. God was not holding out on Jesus in the garden. <laughs> he was not stringing him along. He was not asking him to do something that was impossible to do. He was inviting him to bear the sins of the world, your sins your disputes, your anger, your hatred. <clears throat> Jesus asked, he said, 
Is there a way that this could be, like, I, you know, taken away? Father says no. And Jesus submits to that. And you don't see him getting angry. What happens is you weep, right? <clears throat> there are, there's a couple things I've learned in my life. One of them is the difference between that idea of anger, the rage that I feel, and then um, what happens when I, when I don't engage that, right? When I'm angry, when I'm demanding, when I want my way in the, in the midst of a conflict, whenever I do that, the desire in me is to just blow up. I want this, I'm entitled to it, this is the way it should be, and I get angry. Whenever our goals get blocked, whenever a goal gets blocked, it's anger. I wanted this, I didn't get it, I'm mad. Mad at you, mad at God, mad at the world, mad at, you know, kicks the dog, you know, whatever. I, have you ever read that short story, Why the Dog Got Kicked? It's, you should look it up sometime and read it. I'm, but it's a great thing, you know. This, Guy walks in and kicks the dog, and then they trace the whole bat, the guy's day and the, what happened, and then he was mad and he kicked the dog, right? So, and the dog's going, what? Um, <clears throat> a blocked goal can, do, can result in two things, right? I'm angry, and I'm gonna get what I deserve. The other side of that is a blocked longing, right? Jesus' longing is that the cup would pass from him, that he wouldn't have to bear this awful burden. That's a longing. Longings are good things. They're gifts from God. I have a longing to have a perfect marriage. I, I have a longing to have a great relationship with my sons. I, I have a longing for all kinds of things. Sometimes those longings are met. That's beautiful. And sometimes they aren't. When a longing isn't met, when, a, when that longing isn't met, then what do I do? I weep. I mourn. I grieve. So that's a little test. Next time you're in a conflict, are you making a demand or do you have a longing? If you're making a demand, the great way to know is I'm angry. If you're having a longing, the great way to know is there are tears in my eyes. I wish it were different. In your conflicts, In your conflicts, leave your anger behind. Leave your blocked goals behind. But sit in the longings. Sit in those longings. Because that's where Jesus comes and brings comfort and hope and help and walks with you. And that's what the, your elders are for. To help you to that. To discern what the longing is with you. 
what the desire is. Jesus' longing is a, not a bad thing. <laughs> I don't want to have to die. Duh. That's not a bad thing. It was an impossible thing. Because it was not the mission that God had sent him on. It was a good longing. Had it been a demand, Father, make this cup go away. I'm not going to bear this. I am so not going to do it. You know what? We wouldn't be meeting today. It'd be stupid. We'd all be watching the game, you know? It just, it'd be ignorant that, to even meet together. Like, it, it's, it's the core of why we're here. It's the gospel. Jesus submitted himself to his authority. I want to go back to the elders, because you know what? <laughs> they are not perfect. And you know what? <clears throat> They're going to make mistakes. Forgive them. Leave. They're human. <laughs> They're not machines. And I challenge the elders to not do things individually. Often elders like, oh, I'm, I'm an elder, I can decide. No, you can't. Collectively, you can decide. Spend all your time as elders or as much time as you can conferring with each other, seeking each other, listening together, discerning God's will together, discerning what God would want in this situation. It's so important. One of the things when I started the village, I, I insisted that our elders meetings just begin with prayer. And we would spend an hour in prayer and then we really didn't have much to talk about. Right? Pray a lot. Elders are called to be people of prayer. If they're not people of prayer, they shouldn't be elders. Spend your time in prayer. Now, when you come to elders, know that their time is valuable. Know that they also have, well, in Andy's case, like 17 jobs. Um, <clears throat> they have lots of work. They do lots of things. They, they do a lot of work. And they don't, and their time is precious, so honor that. And here is the very best way to honor that. Avoid coming. <laughs> right? It's not rocket science. Don't come. Well, you say, well, Rod, we have this big dispute and we can't solve it. And then we just said we have to bring it to the church. Fine. But you know what? You could avoid having to come because, did you, did you hear that little thing that, that, uh, that we read earlier. Um, see if I can find it. Um, you've been defeated already if you bring a lawsuit. Why not just rather be wronged? Why not just rather be cheated. Why don't you lose the dispute? Why don't you just voluntarily lose? It's called submission. It's called making yourself small. It's called making yourself nothing. It's what Jesus did. It's what Jesus did.
So go to the person with whom you are in a dispute and say, I'm sorry, I give up. You can, you win whatever the dispute is. Then you don't have to go. <laughs> and if your dispute is that you need to be forgiven or you long to be forgiven or you want to be forgiven, those are great longings and you should long for that and you should go to God with that. If you can at all avoid going to the elders, do it. But remember that they're a wonderful gift to you if you can't. Jesus gave up his longing, his desire. He didn't deserve to carry our sins. He didn't. He was completely innocent. There was not one ounce of sin in him. And he laid all that down for you and for me. All of it. He took the blame. Unfair, unjust, that's not right. Yeah, it's not. But he did it. Thank God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for not leaving us alone. Thank you for giving us elders. Father, I, I pray that you would bless the elders of this church, that you would give them wisdom and, and skill and ability and listening ears and praying hearts and, and that you would come close to them in so many ways. That they feel your presence constantly knowing that you are in their lives. Be with Ray, be with Mike, be with Andy, be with John, be with Andrew. Thank you for them, equip them, give them hope. Father, make them men of prayer. Make them men who are humble, who lead not from the front, but from the back, who follow in the ways of your son. And Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for his submission. Thank you for his example and how to resolve the dispute of all disputes. Thank you that he didn't get angry. Thank you that he simply submitted his will to yours. Father, we pray Jesus' prayer, the Lord's prayer so often, and we say those words, your will be done, and we just pass it. It just goes through our mouth. We don't think about what we're actually asking. So Jesus, on behalf of this church, and behalf of the people who are in conflict with each other, in conflict with others, who are going through conflicted times, your will be done. Amen.